So good morning, church. I'm excited to be presenting the word of the Lord today, uh, this morning. I hope all of you are well, wherever you may be uh, this morning. For those of you joining us today for the first time, uh, the theme for the year in our church is A New Day. And over the past month, uh, we've been looking at a mini-series called The Promise of a New Day. Uh, and in those teachings, we saw some stories from the Old Testament uh, that highlight God's promise of a new day to His people. Now, those promises of God in the Old Testament were not something that referred only to things that happened then and there. They were also promises at this, that were at the same time forward-looking to the promise of the coming of a Messiah and our Lord Jesus and Jesus and Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to understand the whole Bible within the context of our theme for the year, I want you to think about this. The Old Testament is a promise of a new day. Now, God's main agenda in the life of the men and women of the Old Testament, in the life of the prophets of the Old Testament, and in everything that happened in the Old Testament, was revealing Christ and pointing forward to a day when God would make everything new through Christ. On the other hand, the New Testament is the fulfillment of the promise of a new day. Therefore, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that promise of a new day became a reality. And Jesus, through his life and through his ministry, he defined and he showed us that this new day, what this new day means, and he introduced uh, to us a new way of living and relating to God. So he redefined how we are to relate with God and also how we are to relate one uh, with another. So today we are starting a new mini-series titled New Day, New Way of Living. Let's do a quick prayer before I head into the message. Dear Lord, we praise you and we worship you and we are honored to be before your presence this morning. We pray that you would reveal your word unto us this morning and that you would give us uh, an understanding uh, and, and, and also a deeper revelation of the, of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. We have come before you for no other purpose than to hear and to listen from you. Unveil unto us, unveil unto our spirit and unto our mind and unto our soul the mysteries of the kingdom of God and also the mysteries of your word. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning I want to lay down uh, the foundation for what we will be looking at over the coming uh, weeks. In the Gospel of John chapter 1 from verse 14 to 17, speaking about Jesus, the Bible declares, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him, and he cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This verse tells us that the foundation of the new day that Christ ushered in is grace and truth. 
the law that was given to the children of Israel through Moses was no longer what will define our relationship with God and our relationship to one another. You see, the law is a reflection of who we are. But grace and truth is a reflection of who God is. When the law stated, thou shalt not steal, it was reflecting back onto us as a society that there were those who, who, who steal among us. When the law said, thou shalt not kill, it was reflecting back onto us as a society and telling us that there are those who kill within us. So the law is a reflection of who we are as a society, as people, as individuals. But the good news is that through the work of Christ on the cross, a new law, a law of grace was enacted. And this law of grace did not deal with us according to our works, but according to the love and mercy that God has for us. So this grace that defines the new day is not something that we earned either. It is something that is freely given to us by a loving God. It is the helping hand of God that is stretched out to us to pull us out of the ditch, out of the ditch of sin, out of the ditch of the fear of death. Now, perhaps a perfect example to demonstrate this is something that happened in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 8 from verse 2 to 11. I love this story very much. Here you find the story of a woman whom the scribes and the Pharisees, which represented the religious establishment of the time, they brought to Jesus this woman accusing her of adultery. Now, reading from verse 4, the Bible says, They said to him, speaking to, to, him, to, to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. To accuse him. Now from the get-go, you can see that this was something that was not well-meaning or that was not intended well. The Pharisees and the scribes, though they were trying to pretend that they were zealous about the law, about protecting the law and enforcing and executing the law, their ultimate purpose was to get to Jesus. They were merely using this woman as a reason to get to Jesus. They wanted to, to get him to say something about the law which was dearly held in the heart of the Israelites and the Jewish people. They wanted to, to, to make him say something and then get after him. But if they were really zealous about the law, then you can see that they say that this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. So the law says the man and a woman who are, who are caught in the, in, in, the, in, in the act of adultery are supposed to be stoned to death. But if this woman was caught in the very act of adultery, then where did the guy go? They were only chasing after the woman. They, they, they may have let the man go on his way, or who knows, it could be someone they know, it could be some, someone who is from, from the Pharisees or from the scribes, but they have let him go and it was only the woman that they were chasing and, and, and accusing. So from verse 6 we continue, But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. 
So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and see no more. I want to focus on one issue in this story and show you how the grace of God was introduced in this story as a defining feature of the new day ushered in by Christ Jesus. I want to particularly focus on the question, from whom did Jesus really rescue her? From whom did Jesus really rescue this soul, this woman that was accused? Here is a woman who stands accused of committing a, a sin, the punishment of which uh, is death. According to the Hebrew law, it is stated that a thing is established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. If two or three witnesses have confirmed a thing, then it is taken to be true. Therefore, there was no question regarding the fact that the accusation against this woman was true. And the outcome for this woman under the law of Moses was also clear. The law said, once the fact of adultery is established, the woman and the man are supposed to be stoned to death. But when the story ends, we see that Jesus has rescued this woman miraculously. Now, when we study this story, we often think that Jesus only rescued her from the self-righteous, indignation-filled, angry mob that was ready to stone her. And that is, of course, true. Jesus did rescue her from the, the mob of angry people who were surrounding her, ready to stone her. He did rescue her from, her, from them. But her most important rescue was not that one. Look at what Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees. He said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now, when you study the four Gospels, uh, you see that Jesus often accuses the scribes and the Pharisees of being hypocrites. Now, a hypocrite, I googled and saw a definition, is someone who pretends to be uh, someone he is not. Someone who pretends to be that which he is not. So how did Jesus say uh, how did what Jesus said really disarm this group of hypocritical persons? How do you say to a group of hypocrit hypocritical persons, let that one who has not seen, let him be the first one to throw that stone? If you are talking to a hypocritical person, then that person is more likely to go and say, I am righteous, ready to stone. Because they are never looking at themselves and at their lives. So how did Jesus really manage to disarm this group of uh, persons and individuals? 
here is what I believe happened. I believe the Holy Spirit was there working together with Jesus and accusing every one of them who stood there ready to stone this woman and showing them that they were all unworthy and all of them were unclean to execute the law. There was the Holy Spirit at that place speaking to each and every scribe, speaking to each and every Pharisee there ready to stone this woman and pointing to them that they are all unclean, that they are all unworthy to be the instruments to execute the judgment of God against this sinner. Therefore, strength left their bodies and all of them dropped the stone in their hand and they left the scene one by one. And in the end, only Jesus and the woman were left. When this story began, you can imagine it in your, in your mind. There is this woman who is set in the middle and there is Jesus who, is stoop, who has stooped down and who is writing on the ground. And there is an angry mob of people surrounding her, all of them having stones and bricks in their hands. But towards the end, the scene has changed. Every one of them had fled. They have gone away. And there are only two persons, Jesus and the woman. But there was a third thing there also. I bet no one will guess what I have in mind. It is the bunch of stones and bricks that every one of them left. So there is Jesus, there is the woman, and there is the bunch of stones and bricks that were left behind by the Pharisees and by the scribes. And church, here is where the real rescue for this woman came. When everybody left the, stone, the scene having been convicted by their conscience, there was one who was without sin standing there. There stood one who was truly righteous and who could have picked every stone that was left behind to execute God's judgment upon a sinner. And that church was Jesus. This woman was never rescued until Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Church, this is the grace of God that was extended to us in spite of the fact that we deserve to be condemned. Take a moment and think about that. There is Jesus standing there. By, by, by his own criteria that he set, let, him, let, let someone who has not sinned, let him be the first to, to throw that stone. By that very criteria, Jesus was more than qualified to pick up every stone that was laid down by, by the scribes and the Pharisees and throw those stones at this woman and execute God's judgment upon her. But he said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And that is when this woman's heart, that is when this woman's soul was really rescued from destruction, from death, and from sin. And this is the grace of God that defines the new day that Christ brought into being through the sacrifice of His blood upon, the Cal upon Calvary. I remember hearing a preaching by the great evangelist Reinhard Bonke, and he was preaching on this story and he said something that really impressed me. And he said, Jesus forgave this woman because he knew that he was soon to be slain, 
he was soon to be on the cross for her sake. So he carried her sin. He took it upon himself and he took it to the cross and instead set her free. Not only her sin did Jesus carry church, but the sin of all humanity. My sin, your sin, everyone's sin. So church, we are living in the new day of grace and we are no longer waiting for a rescue because we have already been rescued, we have already been forgiven, and we have already been saved. And most importantly, we have been given grace to help us in time of need. If you remember, I, 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 I spoke about how the Holy Spirit uh, uh, taught me about what grace really meant. I was at one time reading the book of Ephesians, and if you remember, there is a scripture that says, we are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Now, I was thinking about this scripture and the Lord showed me that grace was the hand of God and faith was my hand and salvation and everything else was a gift of God. So whenever God comes into your life, whenever God comes into your marriage, whenever God comes into the life of your children, he comes with a gift in his hand. And now grace being the hand of God is such a long hand that could reach you wherever you are. Now your faith could be as tiny as a mustard seed. It doesn't really matter as long as it is there. It doesn't matter how small your faith is because the grace of God, the arm of God can stretch into your situation. It can stretch into wherever you are. So the grace of God is the arm of God. Faith is your hand. And if you are willing to receive whatever is in the hand of God, then stretch out your faith. And then grace and faith will meet and wonderful things will begin to happen. So this grace of God is sufficient to see us through the challenging times that we are passing through in our days. And it is strong enough to shield us from any destruction. Therefore, be comforted this morning in knowing that Jesus is for you and not against you. And I pray that this morning you will experience the sufficiency and the fullness of the grace of Christ Jesus, which defines our new way of living and our new way of uh, uh, communicating and having relationship with God and also with one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that you have sent to us this morning and we bless your name and above all Lord Jesus we we thank you for the new way of living that you have introduced onto us through the grace of God thank you Lord for taking away the burden that the law has been uh, putting on our lives thank you Lord for ushering in a new day a new way of living that is defined by who God is and not by who we are. Thank you for ushering in and, and opening a new chapter which is defined by how, how much God loves us and not by how much we love God. It is you who now define uh, the new day with your abundant grace, with your abundant love and with your abundant mercy. And we bless your name, Lord, for this new season of life 
and we bless your name for the grace that is poured out onto us. We, 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 pr we praise and we bless your name for the sufficiency of your grace to see us through the challenging times that we are passing through. And I pray that this grace will minister to each and everyone that is uh, online and hearing your word this morning. And we pray that through this grace, we will triumph over any and all challenges that may be facing us in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.